Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Whether you're just looking to stay warm during a hunt or need maximum concealment, the clothing you wear can make or break a hunt. At MidwayUSA.com, we understand hunting clothing has come a long way with more meticulously crafted camo patterns, advanced scent control technologies, and weatherproof options to withstand the elements. Hunters have to wait until their favorite season, but shouldn't wait on gear, which is why Midway USA offers super fast shipping. When you're ready for your next system, log on to MidwayUSA.com. Let me get my glasses off. There we go. All right, boys and girls, you heard the beer cracking open. It is Bass Kayak and Beer's time. Once again, the Paddle and Fin Network. Before we get started, quick shout out to my sponsor, Douglas Rock. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. Check out the full lineup of LRS, X Matrix, and award, award-winning fly fishing rods. So, start of the new week, Tuesday, and got a lot of great stuff coming up. Uh, first of all, let's big congrats to Eric Siddiqui. He just won the Bass Nation, I'm sorry, Bass Masters Kayak Series, the championship. So Eric Siddiqui, congrats. Um, I think for Eric, it's awesome for us to see Eric win. Eric is a great angler, an accomplished angler, and everybody that knows um, tournament fishing when it comes to kayak knows Eric Siddiqui's name. And a lot of times he's kind of come short from that uh, first place podium, but he got it on the biggest stage right now. When it comes to um, uh, bass uh, fishing tournaments out of a kayak, so big congratulations, Sir Siddiqui. Other than that, big news coming up from Hobie BOS. Looks like they're gonna have a college series, and it's gonna be run by no no other than um, Steve Owens, great tournament angler. Glad to see Steve Owens on board with the uh, with the Hobie BOS. Hobie BOS, as most of you know has been the gold standard for kayak fishing tournaments. There's really no debating that. Um, we hope every kayak series out there progresses and becomes profitable and successful. That includes KBF, that includes Bassmaster Kayak Series, that includes the All-American um, Bass Kayak Series. Uh, but really, uh, Hobie BOS is, is in a class by itself. And to have now Steve Owens join the group, to me, one of the best tournament directors out there. That is awesome news. So looking forward to what they have. I'm sure college kids out there are going to be excited about this. And I think it sets up the future for the sport really nice. You know, you know, kids going to high school to college to know that they now can get a scholarship or maybe financial help by competing in, in a kayak tournament for their college. That's awesome. And it's really going to help the growth of the sport. So big shout out to OBBOS on that part. Um, anyways, great episode for you today. I got Andrew Hayes from the Tackle Talk podcast. And I'm super excited about that. I'm a huge fan of the Tackle Talk podcast. And let me tell you why. I'm one of those guys that whether it's movies, uh, talk radio, um, podcasts, 
I like to listen or watch with a critical eye and not that I'm critical about it, but to kind of learn what they do great and see what I can learn to kind of implement, not copy, but what, you know, what quality they bring to the table. That's something that I can improve on, on my podcast and listening to the tackle talk podcast. It's kind of intimidating because it is such an informative, um, podcast and it not only talks about tackles it has a wide variety of um of subjects within the fishing we don't they don't talk a lot about kayaks but we'll, we'll get that we'll, we'll get andrew to talk more about kayak fishing for sure but other than that i mean the quality the sound quality i love it um andrew's just fluent voice across the whole show is something that i'm jealous of um, it's if you haven't listened to the Tackle Talk podcast and you love podcasts and you love kayak fishing or bass fishing, I should say, go listen to Andrew Hayes and the Tackle Talk podcast. You'll love it. I mean, the quality is amazing and the information that brings from again different spectrums of the bass fishing, not just tackle, not just techniques, but talking with some of the big names in bass fishing and sharing the knowledge is something that um, really stands out as one of the best bass fishing podcasts that I've heard. So anyways, we're going to go to a quick commercial and then we'll bring Andrew Hayes with us. So stick around. You're going to love it. Knives, machetes, saws, and shears, multi-tools, shovels, swords, axes, spears, hatchets, and tomahawks. If it cuts, snips, slices, or chops, Midway USA has it. Find great gift ideas in our huge selection of pocket knives and other everyday carry folding knives. Make a statement or create a family legacy with one of our top-of-the-line hunting knives. We've got a great selection of manual and electric sharpeners, too. For just about everything for the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. All right, Mr. Andrew Hayes. How you doing, man? Hey, good. How are you doing? Pretty good, man. Excited uh, to have you on board, man. Like I've mentioned on the intro, I, you know, I'm a big fan of what you're doing in your podcast. Um, but before we get into your podcast, I know there may be people out there that haven't listened to your podcast and be wondering who the heck is this Andrew Hayes guy. So tell right. us a little bit about you um, and before we get into your podcast. Yeah, so... Uh... I'm basically just your regular like central Southern Ohio, like redneck that likes to fish. Like that's just all I am just to the bone. Almost ever since I can remember, I've been fishing more recreationally. And then I'd say maybe 
five, six, seven, eight years ago, I really caught the bug really hard for like, okay, I'm going to take this seriously. I'm going to everybody. I've talked about it a billion times, but like everybody hits that wall at some point where you had this hobby that you used to do maybe once every, you know, four or five weekends, you know, if you had nothing to do, you'd go fish. And then all of a sudden something turns or something snaps, or you have some moment or you have some day or experience where it's like, Nope, I caught the bug. I am now enthralled in bass fishing. It's like all I think about when I wake up and I have a day off, where am I going? What season is it? What am I throwing? And what am I targeting? Like everybody that's, that's caught that bug knows exactly what I'm talking about. And so that, that hit me a little later in life. That was probably like, you know, I was maybe late teens, early twenties, probably when, when that really started. But yeah, I mean, I, I, fish every chance I can. Uh, you know, it's after work, it's nights, it's weekends, it's things like that. I obviously still have a normal job. So uh, it's it's just one of those things that I like to be as productive as I can with whatever I'm doing. And so I, I know we'll talk about that probably later, but that's kind of where this podcast sort of came from is I'm a nerd. I like to learn. I like to talk. I like to meet people. I like to explore things. And that's what I think I really like about fishing is fishing is just just crazy puzzle that there's no right or wrong answer in every situation. There's just these ways you can kind of up your percentages a little bit in certain situations. And there's conventional wisdom. And then for all the conventional wisdom out there, there's also, you can find, you know, 25% of people that will tell you the exact opposite is right. So that's what I love about fishing is that there's no book on it. There's no rhyme or reason. You can go out and you can experiment, you can try. And it's this almost, uh, crazy primal thing you get to go out where it's like I can shut off my mind I can not worry about emails I can not worry about my phone calls or you know shut everything off and just go out and clear your mind a little bit and you know you get to enjoy nature you get to do all this but it, it really is like a decompression time for me so that's uh probably why I fell in love with fishing and why I still do it it, it makes me a better person for my time out on the water because you know it, it gives me a release for like the rest of you know you know how it goes too right your stressful life it's like your escape so, yeah, and then uh, I started a, a podcast in my spare bedroom. So that was uh, <laughs> where it led us to today. Awesome, man. And you're right about, you know, that bug when, when it hits, man, at least for most of us that love this sport. It's just you go down that rabbit hole and it's probably nonstop. And you're right. When you're on the oh, water, yeah. you know, you forget about your life's problems and just kind of decompress and relax. Um, so, yeah, spot on on that. So tell us a little bit about the podcast now you started it in 2019 um yes you're going into your third year i've listened to it i see the progression i know the first few episodes started more with like tackle reviews and all that but it really has expanded so tell us why do you get started it why did you got started doing a podcast what was the main goal where is it now and where do you hope to take it yeah, so I didn't like set out. I know you'll talk to some people like, I want to start a YouTube channel. I want to do this. It's like I didn't really start out that way. I just really like fishing. I I do it, you know, in all of my spare time. And then I spend a lot of time in the truck for work. So driving to places. I work for a, a minor league baseball team. And so I do uh, sponsor sales for them. So I'm traveling a lot. I'm going to different businesses and spend a lot of time in the car, or in the truck. And I listen to podcasts all the time. When I finally got hip to that and was like, okay, I'm listening to a bunch of sports shows and things like that. And then it just kind of dawned on me one day. It's like, why don't I listen to bass fishing stuff while I'm in the truck? Why do I always listen to sports talk? And so I went looking for basically what I was looking for, which was like an, you know, kind of nerdy educational fishing podcast. And there really wasn't anything out there. Like at that time, if you can kind of rewind to that time in the landscape, 
there was, for the most part, it was like BTL and Ike were like the two things that were really out there. It was like, okay, you know, BTL is more tournament heavy. It's more, you know, dealing with the actual Bassmaster anglers and the MLF anglers now uh, and stuff like that. And it's, it was just more of almost fly on the wall with, with those guys. So it's just more of, hey, you know, getting to know them. How's it going? How was your last tournament? How's the family? That kind of thing. And I love BTL, but it just, it wasn't quite what I was looking for at the time. And then Ike's show is, is Ike's show, right? If you've ever listened to Ike live, it's, it's got fishing talk mixed in, but it really is again, just like some buddies hanging out and having a good time. And then it's sort of loosely fishing related. And it's like, it just wasn't quite what I was looking for. And so I looked around, there were some YouTube channels that were sort of doing it back then, but again, I just couldn't find anything that scratched that itch. And so finally one day I was just like, I have all of this equipment at home from when I used to like record music and stuff like that. I was like, so I have the audio stuff. I was like, I wonder if I can figure out how to make my own podcast. I don't have a, at least I don't think, I don't think I have a very good voice. I sound like a 14 year old. Uh, I was like, I, I don't have any training or anything like that. I was like, but I feel like I could talk about fishing to the point where it would be somewhat entertaining for people where they could learn something. Uh, I really underestimated, by the way, how awkward it is to do a show by yourself. That was something that uh, I wish back in the day I would have decided like to do it with a, a co-host or something because it's really awkward sitting in your bedroom talking about fishing by yourself and trying to hold a conversation with yourself versus that's why I love my guest episodes and doing stuff like this because you actually get to bounce off of each other. But, you know, I, I uploaded episodes. I stuck with it every Tuesday. I started uploading and, you know, for the first couple months like nobody's listening right you're looking at the numbers and stuff and nobody's tuning in but you you grind it out and you stay with it and if you think that there's a a value there right eventually people will get hip to it and people will listen and find it and word spreads on its own um so i just kept with it and and i tell people all the time i don't i can't remember any situation in my life where somebody probably really believed in something put the effort in and stuck with it forever and it never took off Right. It, it just doesn't just some ideas take longer to take off than others. Some people catch lightning in a bottle and sometimes it takes, you know, years for something to to actually get traction. But if you stick with whatever it is, as long as you're providing some sort of value, like it'll take off eventually. And so I stuck with it and stuck with it. And then after about a year, it finally got to the point where people were catching on and you, you know, look at it and the X number of people were listening. You're like, oh, this is kind of cool. And then at some point, it basically kind of took on a life of its own. I don't know what happened. I don't know who told who or what, but it was just kind of like one day you woke up and looked at the little, you know, chart thing that I have. I was like, holy moly, like this is a, a real thing at this point. And so ever since then, I've I've loved doing it. It doesn't feel like work. It doesn't feel like a burden. It's almost like my outlet every Tuesday to just get to talk about whatever I want to talk about. And you hinted at it, too. So the cool part about the show is that we we do a wide variety of things. So we didn't pigeonhole ourselves in we just do gear reviews or we just do guests or whatever. We we do everything. So one week you could tune in. And it could be a gear review. One week it could tune in and it could be, you know, an educational segment on frog fishing. And then the next week it could be you know, us and Rick Clun talking about poppers or whatever it may be. But at the end of the day, I just said, I, I want to make it short enough that people can consume it, like maybe on your way to work or on your way to the boat ramp. I don't want to do these eight hour Joe Rogan style, you know, podcasts because I don't have time to listen to five hours of somebody talk. Right. So I don't think many people do. And so I try and keep them fairly short, concise. And I, I basically made a promise. It's like, I'm not going to 
do this to waste people's time. Like I, I'm going to have a reason for flipping on the mic, a topic I want to talk about, make it concise. And then hopefully at the end of 30 to 40 minutes, right, there's at least something, whether you're a, you know, a newbie or whether you've been fishing for 50 years that you can think about and be like, oh, that's interesting, right? I can try that next time I'm on the water. So that's kind of how the whole thing got started. And it's just uh, kind of organically grown from there. It's, it's cool to watch. Yeah, one of the things that um, I noticed when you came up, I think the first time you um, came up to the Paddle and Fit Network was with Brad and um, Josh Trash Panda. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I remember you talking about the, um, that was um, Final Cast. Uh, that yeah. segment. Um, I remember you talking about, you know, that you wish you could have these buddy talks like they do and uh, and that you, yours, if, and if I remember correctly, and, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that you, your shows at that point were more scripted, right? That you you had a certain amount of, you had information you wanted to get out and you wanted to get out. I think you said something like in, within a 30 minute, you know, yeah. time window. But now I've seen you progress more where you got, you seemed, in, and this is my opinion, again, correct me if I'm wrong, where you kind of branched out of, the, of that, you know, kind of got yourself out of the cage, spread your wins, whatever, you know, yeah. expression you want to <laughs> use, and now kind of like are more open to um, express express yourself more in, in different ways, yeah. not just in that 30-minute yep. window. Is that correct? Yep. And that, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, to this day, I still like, I don't, I, I never like actually wrote out scripts of what I wanted to talk about, but I would always come with some sort of like outline, at least to keep my jumbled head like on track of like, all right, here's what I want to talk about today. Stay somewhat, keep the train on the tracks, Andrew. Don't like go crazy on this because again, you're going to go on some tangent and you're going to be three hours later talking about Lord knows what. Yeah. yeah. Um. Oh, sorry. My, my, my phone started ringing and this thing went away. I thought I lost you for a second. Um. Yeah, but, uh, but yeah, so from day one, right, I I at least put on paper kind of what I wanted to talk about and then just sort of went from there. And I still do that to this day, right? Even if I'm going to have, you know, a guest on, I at least want to have some topics that I want to hit and keep keep uh, us on track a little bit. But yeah, I, I don't write anything out. I don't script it. I just want to make sure that I don't flip on the mic and be like, hey, I, I have to record an episode this Tuesday. So Let's talk about something. I want to at least come prepared and I, and I don't want to waste people's time. So if you're going to give me 30 to 40 minutes of your time, I want to make sure that it's worth it. Yeah, that's a good, that's a good point. And that's a good professional way to look about it. You know, sometimes, you know, there's times where I can't put up, it's, you know, it's hard to coordinate, you know, with guests and this cancellations last minute and all that. And I'm sure you, you've dealt with that too as well. Then, for example, for me, Paddle and Finn, I have a responsibility to come up with a show every week, um, and I don't want to fail. Now, Brian Schiller, the big boss here, wouldn't doesn't mind if, hey, I can't record this week. But I don't like to, you know, not show up. But at the same time, there's like, man, I, I, I need a guest. I want a guest, but I don't want to do it last minute because you think yeah. about your listeners. And like you said, you don't want to waste their time. Um, what has been your biggest would you say obstacle or what's another word that i'm looking for um or challenge when recording a podcast for you i honestly think it's just my my natural tendency to be a procrastinator so because what you said is is true right if you want this to be you know successful and you want to 
be planned and have the right guests, right? You have to plan this ahead of time. You have to, you know, reach out to someone four weeks before you want to have them on sometimes because some of these guys are really busy. So same thing. My natural tendency is to be a procrastinator, but you know, it, this isn't like college where I could just, you know, uh, you know, do a paper with two hours left before midnight when it's due, right? I have to actually do some work. So it, I guess it helps a little bit because I enjoy it more than anything else. But my, my toughest part is just doing it ahead of time and, and thinking ahead. It's almost like playing chess or something, right? Where you have to think like three steps ahead. It's like the same thing with this. You can't just wait until Monday night and be like, oh crap, I have to have an episode up and ready to go in four hours. That's not how it works. So yeah, uh, but there's also some benefits to that too because you can front load things. So, you know, I can I can do eight episodes, you know, in, in a month and be ready for next month. Now, the only trouble with that is making sure you're not dating yourself. So I like to do a lot of, you know, recap of the Bassmaster Elite series and stuff like that, too. So you kind of have to stay a little bit current and up to date. But, you know, with like the guest episodes, most of those aren't time sensitive. So I can record that with so and so and, you know, I could air it two months later. So that kind of stuff. But yeah, planning is is just the tough part for me, especially with the I have a full time job that is crazy hours, especially in the spring, summer and fall. So, you know, it's it it just takes a lot of planning that I think a lot of times behind the scenes people don't see. And I know you you know that firsthand. Definitely. You mentioned kind of going off topic here, but you mentioned you work for a minor league team, baseball team, correct? Yeah. Is the strike is the not strike the lockout that's going on in baseball. Do you see that going to affect you in any way? So no, the nice part is, and and kind of weird too, is every minor league team is completely unaffected. So the only people it affects are the major league teams and any player that is part of the MLBPA. So anybody that's basically made it up to the majors, they're sort of locked out right now. But the minor league players, completely normal, going to spring training, going to start on time. We won't see any effects of it. If anything, it'll be weird because it's like I'm in Dayton, Ohio, and you know the Reds aren't starting on time. So you'll have this weird kind of beginning of the season where we're playing and they're not which you know kind of for us is is sort of nice i guess because you'll probably have some people that'll come to games that wouldn't have came to games before so yeah yeah we're uh we're on un unaffected i i wish i'm a diehard reds fan so i wish the reds were starting on time but hopefully they'll get it figured out soon yeah man uh hopefully you know it's <laughs> baseball is i think the golden age of baseball is not we are so far removed from oh that. yeah um, but you know, at some point it, it'll come back. It goes through cycles, I guess. Yeah. It's tough because like you said, baseball's golden age is, is basically gone. Like it's a, you have an aging fan base, you have an aging demographic of people that really like baseball. And Oh, by the way, all this kind of stuff just keeps alienating them. So you have these lockouts, you had the issue during the pandemic season where the players and the owners couldn't agree on, you know, the starting dates mm. and all this kind of stuff. It's like, you know, you're, you're just, you're alienating more and more of your fans. And by the way, you're not really doing much to keep up with the young folks too. All the young people are going to NBA and NFL and it's, uh, I don't know, there's gonna have to be some changes here pretty soon, probably. That brings me to a good segue because when we talk about the golden age of bass fishing, right? There was yeah. a time where we would have thought that was the golden age. Right? We can pinpoint a date that was golden age, but I think there's a resurgence on it. And some people may not agree with what I'm going about to say next, but I think it's the reality. It, it used to be a, an old man sport, considered mm -hmm. an old man sport. Now you see a lot of the new blood, new generation coming up. A lot of it, I get credit whether I like it or not, or whether I agree with everything that's put up in content or not. But credit 
what is do i know you're laughing you know where i'm going with this yep it's part of it is the Guggen squad right they yeah. they yeah. especially when you look at john b and uh, you know fishing from to this day and he lives right here in texas he used to live right next to me or not next to me in the next neighborhood over but he fished you know like constantly fishing out of like just ponds where kids can do that because they can't own a boat yeah and so a lot of it it's come has really whether we like it or not have to be credit to that generation because we see now kids teenage kids that otherwise would not even consider fishing yep. um as a sport but the, now they do and we see the resurgence now of that new generation coming up um and it's I think it's going to really come up in the next five or 10 years where you're going to see the Bass Masters and FLF, MLF, FLW, or well, MLF in this case. Um, it's going to explode. There's going to be a brand new golden era that's going to, you know, trump whatever we've seen before. And I think you're going to see that next few generations. One of the things that I really appreciate about your podcast is even though you're still a young man at your, you know, early 30s, You've had guests like Rick Clun and uh, Ned Cady. And that's something I want to give you props for. Because this new generation, and it happens in every generation. I don't want to pinpoint, oh, this generation. Is, I don't want to sound like an old man complaining. <laughs> but the reality is we live in a generation. Our previous generation, our fathers, their grandparents, didn't have the digital um, era, right? right? So it was everything was more word of mouth and then TV and radio and stuff like that. Now we have YouTube, we have internet. So it's a lot easier to learn how to do bass fishing. There's everybody's new generation looks for instant gratification. And for you as part of the new generation, again, you're still young in your thirties to reach and ask for guys like Rick Klon and Ned Katie to come up to your show means a lot because as we were talking in, before we started recording, you know, life comes at fast and, you know, to this day, no one is able to escape, you know, father time. There's going to be a point where Rick, unfortunately, I feel bad just saying it, but like guys like Rick Klun and, um, and Ned Katie are not going to no longer be with us. Yeah. And that information is gone forever. That wisdom, my parents would always instill in me and would always use the phrase, the crown of wisdom, you know, you know, speak to your elders, know, learn from your elders. And you've really done a great job of having their voice heard and their wisdom shared. Um, Ned Katie's episode, I was listening to the other day on my way to fishing and I loved it. What drive you to, as a young man, to reach out to what we consider the founding fathers of, you know, of, of bass fishing as we know it. And some of the, the, um, the lures and the baits that they that now we name them after them or we use them thanks to them. Yeah, so it all comes back to me just being a, a nerd for information. I really am, and I and I really I mean that in in the you know the most best way possible, I guess. But it's true. I I really like to have interesting conversations with people, and when I'm having that conversation, I like to be able to learn things too. I don't go into these conversations and you know, try and pretend like I know more than anybody. I like to go into them and say, no, I, for the next like 30 minutes to an hour, I want to absorb all the information I can from you. Cause I get the once in a lifetime chance to talk to you and pick your brain. It's like, if you listen to those episodes, most of the time I don't go for the, the kind of cliche questions that a lot of people will ask of like, Hey, you know, uh, tell me about your, you know, who your biggest uh, role model is in fishing or things like that. Because I, I want to get to the information that, 
I want to know and I want to learn and I want to be able to apply out in the water. I think there's nothing cooler than being able to talk to Ned Katie. And next time I'm throwing a Ned rig, I'm using some tip that I got from Ned Katie. It's like Ned Katie, the guy on the package, told me how to fish this. Or, you know, I go out and I throw a popper and I tie my line to the top part of the islet versus the bottom part of the islet. I catch a fish. I did that because Rick Clun told me that that's how you're supposed to fish a popper, right? I think there's nothing cooler than that. And, you know, the, the, the history stories are a whole separate part of this too, because again, those need to be archived, but they, you know, and, and that's kind of where all of this comes into, right? I want to embody that while we're having the conversation. I want to intertwine that, but I want to revolve it back around fishing and about, you know, the tactics and things that people can learn, but you're right. I mean, as bad as it is to think about, there's going to be a day where the founding fathers of fishing are no longer going to be with us. And we're very, very lucky that our sport is young enough that they're still here. So you can go down to the Bassmaster Classic right now while it's going on and you can go, you know, shake the hand of Bill Dance and you can go shake Roland Martin's hand and you can go out there and, you know, talk to them and take pictures and hear their stories. But unfortunately, just the cycle of life, right? There's going to be a day where they're not going to be here. There's a day where we're not going to be here. But you know, I think there's a a cool sort of opportunity right now. They're still here. They're still able to lend this wisdom. And we're now in this day and age where you can archive, you can record, you can uh, preserve a lot of that information by just having a conversation with them and letting someone else be a fly on the wall for that conversation. And that's what I really, really enjoy is, you know, the, the conversations that you have with people, the conversations that I have with people, they're going to live forever. The internet's going to be forever. This is going to be a, at some point, people are going to look back and, and be glad that both of us were able to have these conversations with some of these people. So, you know, it, it's, it's uh, selfishly, I love to do it because I just love to talk to people and have cool conversations, but there is a, a separate side of it that I think you're right. I think someday we're going to look back and just be glad that some of this exists. Yeah, that's a good point because I think what I loved about those two interviews in particular and those are uh, the ones that stand out, but I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there's more. Um, it's not just a trip down memory lane. It's just not, just not, it is not just nostalgia that we're talking about. We're talking about also like the fundamentals of fishing, like a net rig or popper um, wisdom that's imparted. So whoever is out here listening to this episode right now and want to learn how to use a popper or net rig, go to the Tackle Talk podcast and and listen to it because it's, I mean, I love the nostalgia part of it, but I also appreciate the knowledge and wisdom. It's like, man, when you have somebody, the, the amount of wisdom that you have here and you can, you know, get it for yourself and share it, it will be a, a shame not to take that opportunity. But so that, that combination of talking about the good old times, you know, and how they got started and how they developed the bait and how you can use it now, I think it's, um, it's invaluable, man. It's, it's, well, it's props to you for it. And so like one of my favorite episodes selfishly that we've ever got to do was with Bill and we had Bill dance on. And it was one of those ones where I was like, I just want to ask him some questions and shut up and listen. It's like, yeah. it's really what I want to do. I was some kid in a candy store with a smile plastered to my face as I got to like hear these old stories. And in that case, right, it is important to hear those old stories because Bill was there the first Bassmaster tournaments ever, right? He was like, a force to be reckoned with. He finished like second 
uh, in the first like three or four that they ever did and then started winning them. And he was he was really at the forefront of that. And then he was one of the pioneers of fishing media. And so he was the reason that probably both of us are sitting here talking about fishing yeah. on the Internet right now. If it wasn't for Bill Dance and being able to say, hey, I can take this sport and I can you know, make it into a TV show. I can make it into movies and books and things like that. Right. That was, that was Bill. Bill was at the front of that. And so it's important to, again, hear those stories to appreciate them because there is a a generation of anglers that are here right now that are here, not because of Bill, because of some of the people, obviously, you know, it's the Guggen squad, it's the YouTube, it's all of that, but they got introduced. They they were kind of their gateway into fishing. Mm -hmm. And now it's sort of they're going to dive down this rabbit hole. They're going to do exactly what we did where they want to learn about, you know, tactics. They want to learn about the history. They want to learn about all of this stuff. And it's important to, to have the opportunity for them to listen to that too. So yeah, you hinted at it earlier, right? You have to give credit where credit is due that I think you're right. I think the, the, if you want to call it the golden age of fishing, I think is still ahead of us. And I wouldn't have said that 10 years ago, 10 years ago, I would have said, this is probably a dying sport. And, you know, they gave it a good run for like 30 years and it's just an older, folk sport and there's going to be something new on the horizon and now there is this resurgence because there were four five six guys that realized i can strap a camera to my chest and i can take people fishing with me and i can talk to them and sort of teach them and get them excited about this and then boom now there's millions of anglers that would not be in our sport i guarantee if you go down the classic right now to the expo almost i would say 95 percent of the kids there are probably there because of those guys Yep. And and right. you would have you would have a cutoff of the sport where realistically at some point it would be dying a slow death versus it's trending up. And these people that are now, you know, if they if you started watching those guys when you were 12, you're probably now what 18, 19 years old, right? You're getting to the point where you're gonna start impacting the industry and what you buy and what comes out and the gear and all of that. You're gonna be the one that's you know, competing in tournaments in 10 years, you're going to be the ones having kids and you're going to have this next generation of anglers that you're going to raise because these, you know, five guys on YouTube got you into it. So yeah, it's funny how, yep. you know, you, you probably owe a lot of where the industry is right now to them. And they're one of the, you know, the, the folks that everybody loves to hate, but you have to be able to separate, right? You might not like the products they come out with. You might not like the marketing. You might not like some of the videos they do, but you have to give credit where credit is due and and they helped your industry so much that you have to at least tip your hat to that. No. And, and I think you hit it to the head. I, and I'm one that I've opened. I've said it openly. Like I'm not, I don't like the whole clickbait thing. I don't like yeah. the, let me invade a golf course and you know, let me get some outrageous video of me being kicked out of this place or that place or an argument. That's not fishing. Uh, granted. Yeah. Now, the one of the things that it's and kind of quickly throw kind of throw this into conversation there's there's things that do happen when you're fishing i've have yeah. like manny ibarella from um skinny water boys tv and eric salario from hooked off the grind tv where they've been actually had you know ranchers shoot at them when they're fishing public waters that go near their lake that that i get that's part of yeah you know, that's the reality of that what what they live for that day but they're not seeking that and that's right that, i want to make that distinction you know there's one thing that things happen organically and you want to put it out there that to me is not clickbait to right. me it's creating artificially something yeah. that otherwise wouldn't have happened in order to get more views is what I don't, but I mean, and, uh, 
Go ahead. Unfortunately, right? If you're if no. you're trying to get traction on a website like YouTube or something, yeah. it's just like anything else, right? There has to be a plot line yeah. to something, or else no one's gonna watch it. You're not gonna watch some movie that has no plot line, but it has great camera work the whole time, right? There's gotta be character arcs, there has to be all this stuff. So sort of, you know, indirectly, right? I think they figured that out. Or or at some point somebody did where they're like, look, there has to be more than just me catching five fish in this video. There has to be some sort of you know, pull or some sort of, of plot line of, you know, the cops get called or something. So again, I, I, I want to dislike it, but you almost have to respect the fact that it, it probably their channels don't get traction. They don't reach as many people if it's not for those. So it's like a, a double-edged sword that I hate to admit. <laughs> yeah. It's one of those things where you, if you want to get the respect from the bass fishing community, right you need to bring something to the table. And that's why I have a lot of respect for John B. Like I said, the guy that goes, travels the world's fishes and then comes over here and fishes a local pond or a creek here in Texas, that's passion. So I respect that. And I think that's yep. one of the ones that I really admire. But anyways, going back to your podcast and what has been your favorite show or guest that you've had on? If you had to pick Ooh. one. I think you touched I th on it already, but. Yeah, I think just for me like nostalgia wise i think bill dance is going to be yeah. tough to beat just because i i grew up watching bill i think everybody grew up watching bill uh and to get the chance to talk to him and pick his brain for about an hour was pretty cool but on the flip side some of my favorite episodes that we've done for me as an angler versus like setting my nostalgia aside and more of trying to make me a better angler we did an, a four-part series last year called the bait breakdown and it was i basically went out and i found four experts for each kind of division of bass forage. So I found an expert for bait fish. I found an expert for crawfish. I found an expert for aquatic insects. And then I found an expert for amphibians and reptiles. So basically what I wanted to do is, you know, we spend all of this time, we'll spend 10 hours a day imitating a crawl, right? If you're throwing a jig for eight hours a day, 10 hours a day, you're imitating a, a crawfish is what you're doing for, for the entire day. And we take so much time to try and understand the bass and their tendencies, but we take so little time to try and understand the bait fish that we're actually trying to, you know, imitate. So how do they move? What colors are they going to be certain times of the year? What are their mating patterns? When are they more likely to move fast versus move slow? Where are they going to be, you know, in certain time frames and certain bodies of water? So things like that, right? How do you make it as natural as possible? So I did nerd out on that one. And I, I got some really cool people that I, I don't think have probably ever been on fishing podcast before yeah you could tell when i reached out to him they were like you want me to do what you want me to come talk about and it's like yeah i do because while you may have never really thought about how much this impacts anglers right that it really does so you know we had channel gorman who's one of my favorite people on the planet the aquatic biologist on instagram he just he's more passionate about bait fish and about the forage cycle for ponds and lakes and managing and stuff like that than anybody i've ever met so i i had him do the bait fish episode I think maybe one of the coolest ones we did was the crawfish one where I had Dr. Zach Loafman, who is kind of like if you had to find the crawfish guy in North America, like he's kind of the crawfish guy. Uh, he's discovered like I think six or eight different species of crawfish and he has an angling background too. So he kind of knew where we were coming from. So if, if you're looking for some information, actually sit down for, you know, 45 minutes or so and learn something you probably never thought of before. Those conversations are really cool. And those are, those are some of my favorite having people on that, you just don't hear people talk to or that sort of angle. I like to poke. I like to prod. I like to to try and find new ways of getting information. So sometimes those are my favorite, the ones that you'd probably least expect. 
That's pretty cool. Yeah, and I, and I love those. You know, the information on it. I've I've geeked out on episodes that talked about the biology of bats yeah. and how they behave and all that. I I think that's super interesting. What what's next for Tackle Talk podcast? What as far as content creation? Let, I'm going to divide this question, but let's talk about content creation. What are you looking to expand to next, whether it's this year or further ahead? Yeah, so I want to, so one of the things that's been really weird if you've listened to the show from like day one is you kind of hear, I guess, me like grow as an angler too throughout this whole thing. Yeah. So, you know, three years ago, the gear that I was using is not the gear that I'm using today. And and you kind of get to go on that journey yeah. with me as I go from a, you know, $60 Berkeley shock rod to a Dobbins <laughs> champion, right? I mean, you I do. It's, it's yes. <laughs> so you, you get to hear that, right? Uh, back in the day, I would have keeled over if I would have paid more than $60 for a, a casting reel. And I just got a Shimano MGL in the mail like two days ago. So you get to kind of see this progression as I get to review different gear. But I really love just taking gear and side by siding them and saying okay like i'm about to do one here in a couple weeks it's a jerkbait shootout where i went out and i bought and that's the other thing like on the show we're completely unbiased like i don't work with brands of anything i don't the only sponsors i really have on the show are people who will either you know it'll be like american legacy fishing which sells everything or it could be you know a subscription box like dark horse tackle that focuses on like small businesses so i don't want to work with the I don't know, company XYZ, because then you get biased and I don't want to do that. So I want to actually be able to sit down, have, you know, seven jerk baits in front of me. I want to go out and I want to fish them hard. And then I want to tell you which ones I think stink and which ones I really like. And, uh, and, and that's the fun part to me is you don't have a dog in that fight. So I really can be, you know, be like, Hey, I really did not like this. I, this is just saying a name, but right. You could say, I really didn't like this, you know, six cents provoke jerk bait, but I really like this jackal range. I could say that if I wanted to. And, and, you know, you, you take it with a grain of salt because you could talk to five other anglers that would say the exact opposite as me, but just my experience and what I like, I really like doing those. Um, we are going to do another, uh, multi-part series here coming up pretty soon. So I've recorded the first one. I've got the second installment of it that we're recording this week and then working on the third one. So it's a, uh, it's going to be a cool one too, a different slant on, you know, a, a series of fishing podcasts that I don't think has really been done before either. So I like doing that. I like sort of thinking outside the box and pushing the envelope a little bit and seeing what cool conversations I can have with people. So that's what you can probably look forward to coming up this year. That's awesome. I wanted to ask you kind of same question, but relating it to the business side of it. Now, like you and I started probably in the podcast, not really worried about making it profitable or making a business yeah. out of it. Things grow. And then you start thinking, Oh man, I can get a sponsor and helps me with the cost. I got Douglas rods product that I believe in. Because yeah. I think that's a big thing. And I've said it on many other times on, on other segments. To me, the description of a sellout is promoting something that you don't believe in. 100%. Uh, you can, be you yep. can believe in Sepco. And if you truly believe in Sepco and that's your sponsor, that to me is not a sellout. Now, you, yep. can, you can be promoting G. Loomis, which is one of the best um, um, yeah. um rods out there but you don't believe in it nobody's gonna say you old that that to me that's more of a sellout in the sense that it's not doesn't matter who you're being sponsored is do you believe in that product and would you invest in the product if you weren't sponsored that's yep. but there's a the whole business side of it and people have to make their business decisions like you and i don't have to worry about feeding our families 
because right. of it. So that gives us a little bit more flexibility versus somebody that actually has to feed their family and those decisions have to take part in that. For you, the business side of it, where do you have you seen it progress? You mentioned you have Dark Horse Taco, which great uh, episode, by the way, and um, American Legacy Outdoors. With the quality that you bring in, I would think this guy could break in any um, sponsor they would like. I know that's not true, but but you do have a great quality product, which I'm sure that you have a lot of listeners and it's going to keep growing. Where do you see it going from your business standpoint? Yeah, so it's it's tough to set that aside sometimes. Like on one hand, there's the little devil on your shoulder that's like, you know, you get the email on Monday. It's like, hey, we'll pay you X to do this. And you're like, well, that'd be pretty nice, right? To have that, you know, uh, by next week. But you have to realize like, all right, I, I want this to stay genuine. I want this to stay sincere. I want, I, I don't want to do the sellout thing like, like you said. And I know you don't either. It's not how either of us are wired. Um, so at some point, like you, I think there's a balance between respecting your worth. And so that's why I do have a couple sponsors on, right? Because I want to respect what the show can do. I want to respect that it does hold value. And then I can use that value to make the show better. So someone like American Legacy Fishing, right? I can try out gear that I just, I flat out 100% would not be able to afford. I wouldn't be able to afford to try an NRX Plus if it weren't for them. I wouldn't be able to afford to do half the things that I do on the review side if it, it wasn't for them. So a sponsor like that, I really look for someone that can, more of a partnership than a sponsorship. I think that's where fishing in general, I can go off on a freaking tangent about this, but yeah. it's like everybody in fishing, they start fishing and what do they want? They want sponsors. They think that's like, the coolest thing in the world is to be able to put in your Instagram bio that you work with these 15,000 companies that give you a 5% discount. It's like that's that waters everything down, right? The reason that that a sponsor finds value or a company finds value in your show is because what you talked about, right? It's with Douglas, with you, you believe in it and folks can see that, right? If I come on my show next Tuesday and I say, this episode is brought to you by 13 fishing rods and they're the best rods I've ever used. Anybody who <laughs> listens to the show knows that that's not true. I mean, it's, it's just not cause it's not what I, I fish all the time. Like you can see right through that. And I understand that in the industry is if you're a tournament angler or something, you have to do what you have to do. And I get that, but we just don't have the ability to do that. People know you too well. They know me too well because they sit here for 45 minutes and they get to know us every week where you know, XYZ tournament angler. I don't know anything about that guy. If he comes out tomorrow and says, all he throws is X rods, I probably believe him because I don't know anything about him. But with us, right, people have peeled back the curtain a little bit. So you have to be genuine. And that's why yeah. if I'm on the show and you hear me say I like something, rest assured, you can go buy that with, with my recommendation because I used it. I liked it. I'm never going to lie to you on the show. And if you listen to shows before, you've heard me talk about things that I don't like, and I'll be very, very blunt about it. Here's what I don't like. Here's the reason I don't like it. Here's why I think this is overpriced. I think that this is cheap. I think whatever it is. Um, but yeah, I, I, I've, I'll in full transparency, you get to a point where you get approached by a lot of people and you, they say, Hey, you know, we'll, we'll give you this to do this number of ads on the show or something. And 99% of my turn down. And I turned down because like you said, I'm not feeding my family with this. I don't, uh, mm need that to pay like the electric bill, right? I have a job. And so this is more of like a, a hobby than it is a, an actual business to me. So I don't have to, you know, pimp out the 12 companies that you hear on other podcasts because they throw you a dime here or there. So it's it's the same thing, right? And you guys are, are fortunate enough to do that too, where you have companies that you use and you like and you 
appreciate, but I'm I'm not going to do the whole chase a dollar sort of thing. And then you you ruin what people tune in for every week. Like no. so many people do that. They shoot themselves in the foot for $5 and now the product is not what it used to be. That's that's a lot of people's problem with the people we talked about earlier, right? The people on YouTube eventually they got to a point where like, "Whoa, this has a lot of value." Now all I'm going to do on this episode, you used to see me throw you know, Shimano reels and used to see me throw lose rods and stuff like that. Now I'm only going to throw one brand of everything. I'm going to blur out, go to the point of blurring out other companies' logos because I don't want you to see them, right? It's really disingenuous. And I think that's where a lot of people lose those folks. It's like, whoa, this isn't what I tuned into four years ago. This isn't what I was watching. Now you're just, you know, you're just trying to tell me there's one brand of soft plastic and one brand of rod and that's the only option. And that's not what I want to do. I know it's not what you do either. And and I think people appreciate that. No, that's, uh, and you hit the hit the nail on the head on that one. And again, there are people out there um, that do need to feed a family and this is their main yeah. source of income, maybe not a podcast, but I mean, and I, and I get that, you know, those decisions are different. We, we don't have to deal with that burden. So it makes right. our decisions a lot easier. And, and I think the, the genuine part, is when you when you know that you have and I've seen it on your podcast. Something that I try to do on my podcast. It's not about me. It's about the content that I can bring to my listeners. What's yes. the value? I want my listeners to find value in what I'm doing, without really trying to put you know put myself out. This is me. And one of the reasons why I never made name this podcast to myself or anything like that because it's not about me. It's about my right. guests and the content that I bring. That's my opinion. Again, everybody's different. Everybody's, you know, if you have some, you have a brand name like BLAT, then that's different. You know, you, you right. can use that, <laughs> you know, in a way to kind of create a brand and 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 spawn and and get sponsors. That's different. So I don't I don't want to think I don't want people to think I'm criticizing anybody that uses a brand name. That it's just difference in styles. And again, if my if I'm if I was a household name fishing in tournaments. Maybe just maybe I would make my podcast to myself. <laughs> Being that the case is not, then you know it's a little bit different. Well, that's a good point too, right? Is that I've told people before: if you want to listen to someone tell fishing stories, don't listen to me. Go find somebody else that has way better fishing stories. It's a way better angler than I am. But if you want to just hear, you know, kind of a, I always say like what I try and do is not for someone that just started fishing yesterday, and it's not for the tournament pro it's for those dudes that are right in the middle or girls that are right in the middle that are you get overlooked by you know some of that stuff talks way over your head some of it's so painfully introductory that it's almost you know offensive sometimes you're like dude i know what a worm hook is right i don't need you to tell me that i want to learn about you know some middle of the road tactics so that kind of stuff and and yeah if you want to hear somebody talk about the fish they caught last week those are a dime a dozen on youtube or wherever you can hear way better anglers than me talk about that but if you know, if you can provide value in other ways. And so I don't hop on this mic and talk about you guys got to hear about the day that I had last Sunday. I caught 17 fish and one of them was five pounds. And I don't do that because nobody cares. <laughs> That's true. But now your name after your name of your podcast is Tackle Top Podcast. So this is the fun part. This is the part that I've been really wanting to get on the podcast. Let's talk tackle. Yeah. I'm going to put yeah. you in the spot. Is that okay with you? Oh, yes. I can talk tackle to a brick wall all day long. All right. <laughs> Most okay. Let's start with your favorite bait. What's your favorite bait? But now I'm not talking about oh a, bu a buzz bait or a jerk bait. No, what's your favorite brand and bait? Ooh, the past year 
it's been a Labina Lures Rico. It has. And I never thought I would be the $22 popper guy, but I've become the $22 popper guy. Like, I just, there's something. So, first off, popper fishing in general is like my favorite thing in the world because I think it's finally starting to see a resurgence too. But it's right. It's one of those things that was a sort of an older tactic. I think people moved more toward prop baits and more toward uh, one of my buddies calls it more of like a plug and play you know, lure where you can just cast it out. You can burn it in. It doesn't take a lot of nuance. It doesn't take a lot of walking or, you know, anything like that. Cadence really isn't as important on some of those. So a lot of people go to whopper ploppers and buzz baits and things like that. But there is something about a popper, man. One topwater fishing is the most fun thing in the world is the best drug. You can't convince me otherwise. Top fish, topwater fishing. When you go out and you are sitting there and you are, your eyes locked on a bait. And then all of a sudden it looks like someone dropped a bowling ball in the water is it's why I wake up in the morning. It's the funnest thing in the world. But like a, a popper is so versatile. So you can burn it. And when we talk to Rick Clun about popper fishing, that's how he swears by fishing a popper. He says it's got to go fast. You've got to chug that thing like nobody is, you know, out there. And that's what he thinks is like the way that a popper is meant to be fished and, and where a lot of people go wrong. Talk to some other people that are more like, no, that is a, a bait that you can cast out. You can keep in the strike zone very uh meticulously and that's the beauty of a popper is you can throw up near that you know log jam or near that eddy or something and you can sit there and give it these subtle twitches and it can stay there and you don't have to worry about it coming you know 50 feet with every turn or crank of the reel so that's what i love about popper fishing and then the rico was one of those ones where uh, it was a buddy that used it around here and i got my butt whooped by him a couple times like all right man give me one of those all right let me see what this is about I was a popper as a popper guy. I threw like $3 Bass Pro poppers forever. And there was just something about this popper that it was like the consistency of motion. You know how it is. Sometimes you'll get these lures like a, um, like a KVD 1.5, right? You know what a KVD 1.5 feels like in the water. If you fish those, it's the exact same. That's why people love them. They're not the most durable, you know, square bills on the market. But when that goes, when that thing goes down and it starts moving, there's no like rolling. There's no inconsistencies in it. That 1.5 moves like it's supposed to. It's the same thing with this popper. It's like I can, I know that if I give it the exact same motion, I can walk it, I can chug it, I can keep it in one spot, I can turn it. The control that you have on that popper is really cool. So yeah, I'd say gun to my head, one one bait for the rest of my life right now is probably going to be a Rico. You know, it's interesting talk going back to the. <laughs> calling you out on this one going back to our conversation before we start recording so you'll buy a 22 dollar popper but you won't buy a 15 dollar chatterbait yes 100 yeah. <laughs> percent. and this is why right because i told you i would be afraid that i would like a, a jackhammer so i almost wish that at some point i wouldn't have grabbed my buddy's rico and i wouldn't have known any better and i could be throwing my two dollar 99 cent bass pro poppers and i'd be fine but i saw the light and uh, and I, and I fell in love with it. And it's it's a confidence thing. I'm sure that there are other poppers out there that I could do the exact same thing with. But you know how it is in fishing, right? You get stuck on something, you feel comfortable with it, and that's that's what I want to go out there with. And at least I can sort of uh, justify the fact that if I'm going to pay a lot of money for a lure, I'm going to do it for a topwater lure. You very rarely lose them. You know they last forever. If you're losing a topwater lure, you bomb cast it into a tree, and that was probably your own problem, right? You're yeah. very rarely, or you had. The unfortunate circumstance of like a pike or something swerving you and taking it but very rarely are we having that issue so i can i can justify swallowing the pill and buying an expensive top water because i know it'll last me years and i won't lose it where i'm not going to buy a very expensive jig or something like that that i know is going to end up on the underside of a log someday and i'm just never going to get it back or crankbait something like that 
That's true. Yeah. Um, most, not your favorite, but most underrated bait, brand included. <sighs> Zoom is probably the most underrated, I think. And I know there's going to be some people that are going to say, oh, it's one of the best soft plastics of all time. Like, I get it, yeah, but it's fall it's falling out of, of favor. You're seeing, it's kind of what we talked about, right? There's that older generation that knows Zoom and loves Zoom, and the newer generation is not a Zoom generation, right? Very few of them are. They're going to these, you know, and I throw them too, but like they're going to a, instead of having a speed worm, they're going to throw the rage cutter worm right they're going to do that because they're going to go to these more newer baits that are out there but dude a zoom trick worm will catch fish anywhere anytime no too. questions asked their brush hog is amazing the brush was, hog yeah anything was, chigger crawl or no that the chigger crawl is nothing but you know they have uh the old lizard the old zoom lizard that's like the you know six inch is I the best bed fishing bait of all time <laughs> yes i i agree and that, that's what i'm that's what i I just I'm getting ready to throw that in the next few weeks because yeah. yes, I've bought them last year and yes, they're good. I was so so upset when they got rid of the brush hog, the um African festival color. Yeah. They have it on the ribbon. Is that the darker one? Yeah. They have yeah. it on the ribbon uh worm, but they no longer do it for the brush hog. But yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying. I think here's in we can go down this rabbit hole in the, another episode, but I, the thing about selling yourself to a, like a Walmart, it that that's one of the reasons why, I, in my opinion, why Zoom is not considered. I think it's underrated. Like I, I would, I would agree with that. When you first yeah. mentioned, I'm like, what do you mean Zoom underrated? Um, but yeah, now that I think about it, new generation and that thing of selling out to to a um, a Walmart brand. Now you become a Walmart brand, and you're not yeah. going to be taken seriously. Yeah, that's, and that's I, I and again, I think I think when you talk to people like us, right, we know and love Zoom. But I, I guarantee yeah. you, go out to twenty year olds or under, they're not throwing Zoom. Like they're just not. It's just not the cool hip bait anymore. But yeah. it'll make a resurgence. They're cheap. They work. Right. At some point, Zoom will come back around and be like the holy moly yeah this is why did i ignore zoom for 10 years of my life <laughs> that's true most overrated bait ran in everything uh river to see whopper plopper <laughs> i knew you were gonna say that yeah or or i'll say <laughs> it right a, or a, or a bandito bug i knew i was like it's gonna go yeah. with either the river to see whopper plopper or the bandito bug <laughs> Both of them. Was. Yeah, both of them. Uh, first off, a prop bait has been around for a billion years. A devil's horse is, yeah. I have my grandpa's old lures, and I actually have one uh, that I hang in my truck right from my rear view mirror, and it's a devil's horse from Lord knows how long ago, but it's one of my only baits that I still have from my grandpa. And that thing has been around, it's been around the block for generations and generations and generations. But there was something about, I, I don't know if River to Sea just branded it right, or it was new and flashy enough, or it was more, uh, I guess, obnoxious to where, but I, I think there is a lot to say to the fact that it was just so universally easy to be thrown. You could have a four-year-old with a, a, you know, a Zebco 33, and you could tie that on, and that four-year-old can cast it and wind it in and catch a topwater fish. And it's, again, it's not a knock on people that throw them. I just think that they, they got blown out of proportion. And funny enough, I've seen them not work as well around here the past couple of years as they used to. I don't know I, if I don't I know if fish are getting that. 
I don't know if fish are getting hip to it. I think they might be. I think they're starting to figure because fish adapt, right? It used to be back in the day you could throw a floating minnow or a rapple of floating minnow anywhere and you could catch fish. And now that just doesn't cut it anymore. Um, there will be a time where fish will get used to forward facing sonar and Alabama rigs and you won't be able to go down to OHIV and catch 17 pound fish, right? They, they adapt. They're smart. They're, they're survivalist. They will figure it out. But I almost, I don't, I have no proof to this at all, but it's just more anecdotal than anything is that the whopper plopper around here anyway, does not produce like it used to. I agree with that. And I'll, I'll take it a step further. The first time I heard you talk, um, that, bandito buck was overrated i was like i was actually catching on bandito buck now i let me make this clear i didn't buy the bandito bugs because of the google squad i'm a fan of the google squad no, no. i bought it because yeah, i mean I if you do that's it. fine yeah it's, there's nothing wrong with that yeah but you know how it is people are going to take it yeah like, but... oh, no, he's <laughs> like i like i said i respect one jumpy jumpy that's probably the only ones the google squad i've watched the videos but i digress anyways i bought it because i didn't believe in it and i wanted to prove that yeah this is this sucks actually caught a bunch of fish on the train shock and the medito box like it was working i listened to your podcast i actually mentioned it on one of my shows like a week <laughs> after you mentioned it i'm like and i even said it andrew hayes doesn't know what he's talking about don't listen to that <laughs> and sure enough i haven't caught and th that episode you aired was almost two years ago and yeah. to this day i haven't I stopped using it because I haven't caught uh, anything on the Medito bug. I'm like, damn it, Andrew Hayes, you ruined it for me. Well, then so he, here's the here's the thing that I, I, want, I always try and preface with people is like, yeah. there is a giant difference between it doesn't work and overrated, right? Every yeah. every bait on the market will catch fish, or else it wouldn't be on the market. So it'll catch fish. I just think some of these lures get this almost a, a reputation of like being oh, right? You you, yeah. you put them. I was like, this is like the the pinnacle. It's like no that bandito bug is a rage bug right the rage bug's been around it's it's almost the exact same thing now both of them will catch fish one of them preceded the other they're both fairly similar this wasn't like some godlike moment that it, it descended down from the clouds and oh the bandito bug for the first time ever this is the first time we've ever seen this profile it's like no it's it's been around before so that's where i was like i catch some heat it's like you don't know what you're talking about i catch all kinds of fish on a bandito bug it's like i'm sure you do i just think it's a little overrated i I, I don't know why I stopped catching on it. Like, I didn't stop using it. I just like, and I've heard, I don't know how true it is that they had to redesign the tent, not the tentacles, the um, the claws on it because, yeah, like of, the flange. Uh, yeah, because of uh, some patent violation. I don't know if that's true or not, but it might be why it's not as effective as it's used to because I remember using kind of like the first ones that came out. But yeah. then you came up, you made some pot, you made some. Um, Instagram post kind of trolling the um, the river to sea whopper plopper and I'm like this guy doesn't know what he's talking about and I haven't caught anything since then I'm like damn it Andrew Hayes again I'm gonna stop <laughs> listening to his podcast if he keeps doing this so both of them I have not caught anything hunting boots are a critical component of any successful hunt whether walking a short distance to your blind or trudging miles through rugged terrain your feet are carrying the load Without the right boots, you could give up early and lose out on that trophy just over the ridge. At Midway USA, we make selecting boots for your next hunt easier. With just a few clicks of a mouse, you can decide on what's important, like waterproofing, insulation, size, width, and savings. For just about everything for shooting, hunting, and the outdoors, check out MidwayUSA.com. At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. 
Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Since you either you got on my head or you were right, and I'm <laughs> that's all it is too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, they still yeah, work. I mean, it's I'm a buzzbait guy. I love buzzbait. So to me, there's there and I I will 100% be transparent. I have a whopper plopper that I keep in my bag for very certain situations. There's one situation more than anything else where I do really like to throw a whopper plopper because or some sort of floating prop bait. You can be a chopo, it can be whatever. It doesn't matter what brand it is. But when I'm in really heavy current where it's almost like you're fishing the riffle, like you're not fishing the run below it, you're actually fishing where those fish are tucked up in the riffle. Some sort of floating prop bait is awesome because that buzz bait, you just can't keep up on top of the water enough to get the action that you want with it going as slow as you need to, right? You have to burn that buzz bait to keep it on top of the water in really fast moving water or with a, you know, a whopper plopper or a choppo or whatever, you can throw it up there. And it's going to float the whole way down. So you can kind of chug it and you can't chug a buzz bait in that kind of water. So I do keep one in my bag and I do use it for certain situations, but there's just very few situations where I wouldn't rather have a single hooked buzz bait you know how many fish i've lost on top water trebles versus a single hook you drive that single hook home fish is coming to the bank right like more times than not you're not going to shake that fish you're not going to lose that fish where with trebles you know the the sky's the limit in terms of what you're losing now give credit to where credit's due too. river to sea whopper ploppers have maybe the most terrifying treble hooks that I've seen on almost anything, right? Ask anybody who's ever taken one to their hand, anybody who's grabbed a small mouth as it's been shaking or, you know, whatever they are, or, or, you know, you have some fish that I'll, you will wreck a fish because it gets it in its side. It gets it in its back and it's, you know, it's gill. Those hooks are heavy duty and they're sharp, but I'm just one of those guys. I just, I love buzz baits. I'm, I'm a sucker for them. Awesome. Well, Again, that's it's to each his own, right? Like, I mean, we're not saying anybody that's throwing a, that yeah. we're not shaming anybody for throwing a whopper plug nope. or a bandito plug. It's it's for each his own. If it's working, it's working for you. If that's your confidence, paid by all means, don't listen to me. Don't listen to Andrews. Nope. Do you do throw do it? You, do you <laughs> catch fish on it? <laughs> whatever gets you got whatever lands you fish on the boat, um, as long as it's legal. Um, yep. Other than that, um, let me ask you this because you've done a lot of. Um, you know, tackle reviews and stuff like that. And this is always polarizing question. You have, I don't know, X amount, 200, $300. Do you put the lion's share on that money on a reel or on a rod? Which one are you prioritizing if you have a set amount? Rod, 100%. Yeah, you're you're putting that Thank money you. on the rod. Yeah, there's... The, I can't think of any situation where the reel is more important than the rod. I can't. Preach, brother, preach. <laughs> your sensitivity, your hook sets, your strength, your fighting of that fish, your your taper, your power of that rod, like everything is in the rod. The reel is just a mechanism to pull up line. Yeah. So you, know, you could, so here, here's where I look at this, right? You can frog fish with a six to one reel. You can. You can't frogfish with an ultralight rod. Correct. You can't. But you know, the flip side is is 
true. So yeah, it's, I think the, the rod is the, the way you feel the fish, the way you hook the fish, the way you fight the fish, the way you land the fish. The reel is literally just an accessory to pull up line. And there's, there's certain reels that make that more uh, enjoyable or more yeah. efficient than others. So when you are frog fishing, you do want to pick up line really fast because you have to get that fish out of the muck. You have to keep tension. I understand that. But at the end of the day, it's almost like, uh, you know, that might be 10% of the equation and your rod is 90%. I agree. I agree. The the reel. Now, the reel is like you mentioned, it, its job is to launch the bait, not launch the bait, is to, you know, let off line when you mm -hmm. launch the bait and then pick up line. The rod is what's doing most of the work. Having said that, there are, you know, certain reels that need to be prioritized when you are, let's say, for example, using a crankbait. You need, yeah. especially a deep diving crankbait or medium diving crankbait, you need as much distance between yourself and the bait. So reel that, a high expensive reel really come in handy where you, one that you can cast country mile because, you know, the dynamic of it, the longer, the faster that stays that gets down and the longer it stays down and you need a real for you need a good reel for that that i agree but for the most yep. part in general terms i think you're absolutely right a rod is significantly more important than a reel in my opinion yep i would agree awesome um glad we got that i didn't want to i didn't yeah. want to keep you here too long debating on that <laughs> I no, I think we're on the same page on that one. Yeah, <laughs> it would be an interesting conversation. <laughs> Anyways, um, Andrew, I've had you for an hour. I I really appreciate you taking time. Like I mentioned on the intro, I'm a huge fan of what you're doing. I'm a huge fan of your podcast. Um, keep up the Thank great you. work. Um, you have quality in every aspect of it, in the content, in the quality of the sound, um, in your guest, in your questions. When are we going to get you to make an episode about kayak fishing? Could, could we get you? Could, can we pay you to, so, to do a, give us a little bit of love there? So what's interesting is I would say, I don't know, 50% of the fishing that I do is kayak fishing. Like I'm either waiting or I'm kayaking. That's, that's how I fish all of the time. Um, the, the interesting part of this, so like I've done some episodes where like I've fished out of a, you know, feel free kayak for a long time. So we had the guy from feel free on, uh, things like that, but it's, I feel like I'm not as good of a source of information for kayak fishing than there is out there from other people, right? I can help people get started. I can give them the tips and stuff, but I don't do a lot of like competitive kayak fishing. I've probably fished, I don't know, five to 10 kayak tournaments my whole life, maybe and most of them are local. Um, but, you know, we'll have people on that are better. So, like, I know you've had her on before, too. We've had Christine on before to actually talk yeah. about kayak fishing. And, you know, who better to ask, especially right now in the kayak game, than someone like Christine of, of yep. you know, how how are you attacking this versus this? What's the nuances of this? And that's the fun part about even, you know, what you and I both do is that when there's a topic that I feel like I'm not more qualified enough to really talk about, I can go find someone that is. So, I don't throw drop shots a lot, but we can have someone like Gray Buck on who's great with drop shots. And we can talk about drop shot fishing. It's you don't have to pretend like you know more than you do. So no. I probably need to do a better job of getting more kayak guests on. And maybe you could help me in that space, too. But uh, but yeah, we, we definitely need to do some more kayak centered stuff, because especially nowadays when boats are sixty thousand dollars and forward facing. So like Love to guys. fish. Yeah, to fish tournaments. 
you're especially if you're going to do like something crazy like you're going to do the opens or something you're looking at like 80 to 100 grand to sink into your rig just to get ready to fish tournaments where with kayaks you know a couple thousand dollars and you're completely rigged and ready to go and you can go fish with the big boys so the the cost of entry is a lot lower where i think a lot of normal anglers like us gravitate toward kayak fishing and i if there was a way to invest in kayak fishing i think that anybody right now should invest in kayak fishing like i would bet in five years there will be a Bassmaster kayak elite series there will be because you're pricing the regular anglers out of competitive fishing and i think you're probably going to see kayak stuff take off in the next couple of years even more than it already has yeah i i agree if, even if it's i don't know if it's going to be Bassmaster kbf or hobie bio so somebody yeah else, somebody will so somebody but yeah i believe five years you're probably going to see an elite series paying serious amounts of money yeah. more than we're, we're seeing right now but anyways, Andrews, I wanted to give you a chance to, you know, do shameless blogs, shout outs, anybody <laughs> that you want to thank, sponsorships, family, friends, go right ahead. Yeah, so you can find us on the web. We're really easy to find. So it's just TackleTalkPodcast.com, anywhere that you listen to podcasts. So Apple, Spotify, iHeart, all those. We upload every Tuesday. So I upload it at midnight going into Tuesday. So basically when you wake up on Tuesday, whatever time you wake up for work or whatever time you get up, there will be an episode waiting for you. So every Tuesday we do it. And it's, it's a, almost a smorgasbord. So you never know what's coming up. I'm not gonna, I don't usually announce guest episodes or something ahead of time. So you could pull up your phone on Tuesday morning, like, holy cow, you know, so-and-so is on this weekend, or he's doing an episode on Ned rigs, or he's doing an episode on a gear review of a, a reel. You just kind of never know. It's almost like a jackpot. So yeah, every Tuesday we have a new episode, obviously, you know, there's some some people that help make that a lot easier on us. American Legacy, uh, Dark Horse Tackle, those folks have, have been great the whole time to just let us, you know, like you said, I'm not paying my mortgage with it, but it, it gives me the opportunity to have a nice microphone and to have gear to be able to review and things like that that I just wouldn't be able to do on my own. I wouldn't be able to afford. So, yeah, it's uh, I appreciate everything you guys are doing, too. I know in the kayak space, like you guys are shining a light on a space that again i think if you could invest in it right now you're gonna be yep. sitting real pretty in a couple years so kudos to you guys i love the show i tune in i listen because i like these um i don't know more of laid back styles because i realize my style is not for everybody it's really not right it's more fast paced more information being thrown at you a lot of times and sometimes people just want to like chill out and listen to you know two people talk about their common love of fishing versus have me talk real fast at you and throw out a bunch of info. So I really like what you guys do too. And kudos to you. I don't know how you guys and Brian and everybody keep your, you know, million shows and everything all in a row. Kudos to you guys. Cause I know how hard it is to do one. You guys do yeah. a ton of them. So hats off to you guys too. No, Brian really is the, I mean, Brian really works his butt off for paddle and fin and really makes our life easier. So shout out to Brian Schiller, head honcho here, the big cheese, the big kahuna. <laughs> and paddle and fin andrew again thank you so much for coming up again we're a big fan of your your show here in the paddle and fin we wish you the best moving forward um i think your growth in the podcast industry or whatever you want to do next in that involves in fishing is a huge benefit to the to the fishing community or the bass fishing community in general so wishing you the best is wishing the best for the bass fishing community in general so thank you again um, for those out there listening, once again, if you made it this far, go check out a sponsor, Douglas Rods. Go to douglasoutdoors.com. If you're going to be on the water, please wear your PFDs. If you're going to have a couple of beers, please drink responsibly and stay safe. Have a great night, everyone. Have a great week. See you. See you.
pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. You'd think, with four of us spread out on a tiny island, that the task of tagging a whitetail would not be a big thing. But, as I've learned, no matter where I've been, whitetails can be damn tricky. Pursuing wild game in wild places. Tune in to Hunt Stand Presents Saturdays at 8.30 p.m. Eastern. Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.